Act Two, Part Two of Lightning by Winchell Smith and Frank Bacon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Part Two. Sheriff, after his line, short recess, goes over and leans on lower left arm of witness box, talking to Emily three quarters back to audience, so he can see doors. Thomas goes out down right. Mrs. Moore and Mrs. Jordan and two men in the back row leave the room. An old man on the end seat of back row has to stand up to let others out. Bill enters from outside. He is in gar uniform, comes to railing, looking about timidly, starts to come through. The extra people cover Bill's entrance all they can. Two men off stage. Yeah, what do you want? Stops Bill at gate. Bill, after a look at Sheriff. Been arresting anybody in California lately? John, turning and rushing to him at sound of his voice. Why, hello, Lightning. How in the world did you get here? The train was late. Your case ain't over, is it? No, it's called for two o'clock. Bill, to Sheriff. I'm a witness for him. Oh, yar. I got to testify how you served a warrant on him. Comes through gate. Walter laughs and turns away. Sheriff glares. Threatens him with fist. Emily laughs. John, taking Bill down left. Come over here, Lightning. How in the world did you happen to show up? I promised you, didn't I? Right of John. During scene, Sheriff stands with back to audience, reading paper. Well, that was a long time ago. I supposed you'd forgotten all about it. I haven't forgotten nothing since I was four years old. How do you know the trial was today? You told me last time you was at the home. But you didn't say anything about coming. If you had, I'd have told you it wasn't necessary. That's why I didn't say nothing. How'd you get the money? Pension. You told me you sent the pension to your wife. I did some of it. I sent Mother six dollars, but I didn't get no answer. Did you tell her you were in the soldier's home? No. Then she probably didn't know where you were. Where else could I be? And six dollars is six dollars. The judge? Mrs. Moore and Mrs. Jordan re-enter. Lem comes from judge's room. Sheriff raps. All rise. Lem motions to Sheriff as he is sitting, at which time all except Bill sit, and whispers to him to get Mrs. Davis. Sheriff nods and goes to door downright. Calls Mrs. Davis. Margaret enters. Sheriff gives her a seat front of judge's desk. Thomas enters, crosses toward his desk, pauses as he sees Bill, then crosses to end of table. Hammond follows and whispers to Thomas about Bill. Hey, is Thomas. Hammond comes in behind him, both pause a moment in surprise at seeing Bill. Then Hammond goes up to left. Bill wanders forward, keeping his eyes on Thomas, and doesn't see Mrs. Jones, who now enters, till they are almost face to face. Why, Mother, what are you doing here? Millie enters. Oh, Daddy. 
Sheriff raps. Margaret helps Mrs. Jones to seat by her. Thomas sits. Come along, Mr. Clark. I want to get through promptly at noon today. Glances at Margaret. I've got an important engagement. He smiles at Margaret, and she turns and smiles at him. Call the next case. Jones versus Jones. Rises and then sits. John, going to Bill. By Jove, I believe that's you, Bill. Me? Did you know your wife was... Sheriff raps. Bill turns and looks at him. Read the complaint. Walter rises, reads. To the people of the state of Nevada, Mary Jones, plaintiff versus William Jones, defendant, a civil action wherein the said plaintiff deposes and says she was lawfully married to the said defendant on the fourteenth day of june eighteen hundred and ninety six in the state of nevada the said plaintiff prays this court for a permanent annulment of her marriage vows the defendant william jones having disregarded and broken all obligations of the marriage contract thereby causing the plaintiff's great suffering and mental agony and the said mary jones claims a final separation and divorce from the said william jones on the grounds of failure to provide habitual intoxication and intolerable cruelty subscribed and sworn to me on the fifth day of april nineteen hundred and seventeen alexander bradshaw notary raymond thomas attorney for the plaintiff walter sits bill goes to john is that all about me sheriff raps bill looks at him lem looking at bill what did you say john crosses to judge your honor this is mr jones the defendant he happens to be in court as a witness in another case and has had no previous knowledge whatever of this action the defendant's whereabouts are unknown your honor and the court allowed us to serve notice by publication publication in what turns to thomas lem looks at john proper service was given if the defendant couldn't be located to bill is that what you asked about bill turns to judge pauses who me yes you made some remark after the complaint was read i wasn't sure i'd got it straight you mean the grounds on which this action is based i guess so lamb to walter repeat that part of the complaint walter rising finding place the grounds are failure to provide habitual intoxication and intolerable cruelty walter sits is that all don't you think it's enough sounded as if there was more the first time he read it the defendant enters a general denial your honor are you counsel for the defense bill before john can speak yes sir he's my lawyer call your witnesses mr thomas john sits bill center mrs jones 
Hammond, anticipating this, comes to Thomas and whispers, then goes back to seat. I don't think it will be necessary for you to testify after all, Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones returns to her seat. Miss Berkeley, will you take the stand, please? Millie rises, surprised, looks about and goes towards stand. Bill smiles at her. She stands in front of witness chair, then goes up on stand. John sits left of table. Bill is seated in front of it. Raise your right hand. He and Millie raise hands. You solemnly swear the evidence you give to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. She sits. What is your full name? Mildred Buckley. Thomas crosses to the stand. Miss Buckley, you make your home with Mrs. Jones, the plaintiff, do you not? Yes, sir. How long have you lived with her? Since I was three years old. You were an orphan, and Mrs. Jones took you into her home and brought you up as though you were her own daughter. Isn't that so? Yes, sir. And ever since you can remember, Mrs. Jones has toiled and slaved early and late to provide for the family. Millie, looking at Mrs. Jones. Yes, sir. About three years ago, you left home, did you not? That is, Mrs. Jones's home. Yes, sir. Why did you leave? To try and earn my living. And you obtained employment as a stenographer? Yes, sir. What did you do with your wages? Why, I... I... Thomas, leaning on witness stand... I'm sorry to be obliged to ask these questions, Miss Berkeley, because I know how you dread to testify in this case. But it's unavoidable. You sent the greatest part of your wages home, did you not? Millie looks front, drops head. Yes, sir. And you felt obliged to leave home and earn money in order to contribute to the support of the Jones family. Why, yes, but I... Did you ever see Mrs. Jones's husband drunk? Looks at Bill. Under the influence of liquor. Pause. Answer the question, please. Looks at Millie. Did you ever see Mr. Jones intoxicated? Millie drops head. Yes, sir. You've seen him in that condition hundreds of times, haven't you? Why, I... I never counted. Drops head. But he was in the habit of coming home drunk, wasn't he? Looks at Millie. Sometimes. And because of the poverty brought about by Jones's bad habits, you were obliged to leave home. What? No, I... Well... You knew something had to be done, and you felt it was your duty to help them. Yes, sir. Drops head. Thank you, Miss Berkeley. That's all. Sits at table. Millie half rises to leave stand. John, coming to her left. Miss Berkeley. Millie stands still, surprised. When you took a position as a stenographer, by whom were you employed? 
After a pause, Millie walks toward her seat right. One moment, miss. She stops angry and frightened. The counsel for the defense has asked you a question. Uh, I refuse to answer it. Lem, after a surprised pause. What is your reason for refusing? Millie turns to him. Must I tell the reason? Yes, you must. Because I swore I would never speak to the man who asked it. Lem looks from John to Millie. Oh, well, this is embarrassing. Pause. Will you answer if I ask the question? Certainly, sir. Smiles. Lem motions her back to stand. She goes back to witness box. Who employed you as stenographer? Mr. Thomas. All through following scene, she looks at Judge, her back to John. This, Mr. Thomas, the gentleman whose questions you did answer. The plaintiff's counsel. Yes, sir. And did Mr. Thomas give you this position because you told him you wanted to be of financial assistance to the Jones family? Thomas rises. Your Honor, I object to that question. It is quite irrelevant. John, to judge, facing him. I am quite willing to withdraw it if Mr. Thomas, turns to Thomas, finds it objectionable. Millie looks front. Don't flatter yourself that I mind it or anything else you can ask. Only it has no bearing on this case. Facing each other. Objection sustained. Well, Miss Buckley, Mr. Thomas has taken an interest in your affairs and given you advice. He... To John, then turns to judge. She stops, angry that she forgot herself. Turns away. The question was... Has Mr. Thomas taken an interest in your affairs and given you advice? Mr. Thomas has been more than kind to me always. He is kind to everybody, and he has given me advice that has been of the greatest help. And have you always followed his advice? Have you? Always, implicitly, in spite of what others have said against it. Now, Miss Buckley... You never knew Mr. Jones to be cruel or even unkind to his wife, did you? I object. Rises. Cruelty is one of the counts in your complaint. Objection overruled. To Emily. What was the question? Emily, reading notes. Now, Miss Buckley, you never knew Mr. Jones to be cruel or even unkind to his wife, did you? No, sir, never. You never saw him unkind to anyone or anything, did you? Did you? No, sir, I never did. The complaint which was read claims a divorce on the ground of drunkenness, failure to provide, and cruelty. You know that none of these is the real object for getting the divorce, don't you, Miss Buckley? I object. Rises. Lem, pause. Objection sustained. To John. If the plaintiff can prove any one of the three counts enumerated in the complaint, it will be sufficient cause to grant a divorce, no matter what other reasons or objects there are. 
Miss Buckley, you know that Mr. Jones loved his wife, loved her devotedly, don't you? How can she know that? If it please, Your Honor, that is something that a woman does know. She may believe a man to be a contemptible liar. She may say she'll hate and despise him always, always, always. But somehow, down in her heart, if he really loves her, she knows it. And if she is his ideal, his hope, his all, if he would willingly, gladly lay down his life for her, she can't help knowing it. And no matter what she says about him or thinks about him, the knowledge that he cares more for her than for all else in the entire universe must count for something. And I contend, Your Honor. Millie turns and weeps. Hold on there. Wait a minute. Are you trying a divorce case or making love? I beg your pardon, Your Honor. That's all, Miss Buckley. Turns to chair left of table. And I should say it's quite enough. Now suppose we get back to business. Thomas rises. That will do, Miss Berkeley. Millie goes to seat. Mr. Hammond. Hammond rises promptly, goes to witness stand, and raises right hand. Mrs. Moore enters, looks around, then comes through gate and comes to Mrs. Preston, takes her chair, and Mrs. Preston takes Hammond's chair. Walter rises. You solemnly swear the evidence you give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God? I do. Sits. What is your full name? Everett Hammond. Crosses right leg. Mr. Hammond, what is your place of residence? Crosses to left of stand. San Francisco. You are in the real estate business, are you not? I am, yes, sir. You know the plaintiff, Mrs. Jones, and her husband, the defendant. I do. Looks at Mrs. Jones, and then at Bill. How long have you known them? I met them first about uh, seven months ago. Kindly tell the court how you happened to meet them. Hammond. To judge. I was asked to consider the purchase of a piece of property belonging to Mrs. Jones. And you went to see it? I had some other business nearby and stopped off at the Jones's place. What was the other business? The Pacific Railroad was being robbed of timber in that locality and sent me with a sheriff to arrest the thief. Sheriff looks at Hammond. Who was the sheriff? Sheriff looks at Thomas. Mr. Blodgett, the sheriff of this court. Nods toward sheriff. And who was the thief? His name is John Marvin. Doesn't look at John. The same, uh, gentleman who has been playing Romeo? Yes, sir, the same gentleman. Since that time you have had business dealings with Mrs. Jones. I have. Looks at her. And you have always found her to be upright and honest. Absolutely. And was Mr. Jones a source of trouble and great embarrassment to Mrs. Jones? Yes, sir. He was. Looks at Bill. In what way? By his shiftlessness, drunkenness, cruelty, and untruthfulness. 
So he was untruthful into the bargain. He has a local reputation for being the biggest liar in the county. Bill rises, starts to take off his coat. John persuades him not to. Sheriff rises with the gavel and sits after Bill sits. Did you ever see Mr. Jones drunk? Yes, sir. I never saw him in any other way. And you saw him abuse his wife? Yes, sir. You heard him tell lies? I did, indeed. He was also breaking the law by harboring a fugitive from justice in his house. Thank you, Mr. Hammond. That's all. John, coming to Hammond on left of stand. You say, Mr. Hammond, that you had business dealings with Mrs. Jones? Yes. Crosses leg, turns away from John. Do you mind telling what that business was? Not at all. To judge. I purchased for the Golden Gate Land Company 329 acres of land, including buildings. By buildings, you mean the hotel? I mean the property and everything on it. Sneering. And you bought the property from Mrs. Jones? I did. Why didn't you consult Mr. Jones? Because Mrs. Jones was the sole owner. You had seen the records? Yes, I'd seen the records. Now, you testified that you first met Mr. and Mrs. Jones about seven months ago. I did. Do you remember the date? I don't recall the exact date. Pauses. Looks at him. Perhaps you can. It was the day I brought his sheriff there with a warrant for your arrest. Possibly the sheriff will remember the date. Sheriff looks at Hammond, then starts toward John and Chair. Possibly. And you had not met Mr. and Mrs. Jones before? No, I had not. And you also met Mr. Thomas on that same day? Yes, he represented Mrs. Jones. And Miss Buckley was there, too? Yes, they were all there. John, facing front. And you had never met Miss Buckley or Mr. Thomas before? Hammond, pause. No, I don't think so. Well. Pause. At least are you sure you had not met them before, to your knowledge? Yes, I am sure of that. All right. Comes down, goes up. Mr. Hammond, you have told the court that Mr. Jones was a lawbreaker. Yes. You were a fugitive from justice, and Jones was harboring you in his house. Didn't you just testify that Mrs. Jones was the sole owner of that house? Pause. Didn't you? Hammond, pause. Yes, and my testimony was correct. Then how could Mr. Jones harbor a fugitive in his house if he didn't have a house? Well, I don't suppose he could. Then will you withdraw the statement that he broke the law? It's a technical point. Will you withdraw it? Yes, I withdraw it. Bill is pleased, proud of John. Now, up to the time you met Mr. Jones, you didn't know anything about him, did you? Of course not. But it didn't take me long to find out about him. I agree with you there, Mr. Hammond. Eight hours after you first saw Mr. Jones, he was driven out of the house, and you have never set eyes on him since. Yet you have testified that he is a drunkard, a loafer, a liar, and a lawbreaker. Hammond, 
pause. It didn't take me one hour to see what Jones was. You also said he was cruel to his wife. He was. In what way? Hammond. Pause. His manner was insulting. What did he do that was insulting? Hammond. Pause. He criticized the dress she was wearing. Pause. A before the other guests. And do you think the claim of intolerable cruelty is substantiated by a husband criticizing his wife's dress? I object to that question. Rises. I should think you would. Goes down stage and turns. Objection sustained. John comes up stage and to left of stand. You testified that Mr. Jones was a drunkard, that you'd never seen him sober. I never have. John, taking Bill by the arm, Bill stands back to audience on John's left. Is he drunk now? I don't know. John goes back to stand. Bill sits. Then how did you know the other time you saw him? It was plain enough then. Now, you couldn't get a good title to the Jones property unless Mr. Jones signed the deed, could you? Thomas rises. I object to that question. That matter is quite irrelevant. If it please, Your Honor, this complaint charges intoxication. My question has a direct bearing on that point. Objection overruled. Thomas sits. Hammond to Lem. I don't mind answering in the least. Lem to Emily. Read the question. Now, you couldn't get a good title to the property unless Mr. Jones signed the deed, could you? Hammond to Lem. The property belonged entirely to Mrs. Jones, but the husband's signature was wanted on the deed. And he refused to sign it? Yes, after you told him not to. Was he drunk, then? Hammond. Pause. I think he was. I'm not asking you what you think. You have said under oath that you never saw him sober. Was he drunk when he refused to sign that deed? Yes, he was. And you tried to induce him to sign such an important document as that when he was drunk? Hammond. Pause. I never tried to get him to sign. Then Mr. Thomas did. Well, I didn't, and he didn't sign it. No, he wasn't drunk enough for that. He wasn't drunk at all. He was as sober as he is at this moment, and you know it. You mean to call me a liar? Leans forward. No. I mean to prove it. Goes down stage center, comes up again. Now, you called Mr. Jones a liar. Yes, and everybody who knows him will say the same thing. Did you testify he was a liar because you heard others say so? No, because he lied to me. What did he tell you that was untrue? Everything he told me was untrue. Repeat one lie that he told you, can you? He told me so many I can't recall them. They couldn't have amounted to much if you can't remember one. Hammond. Pause. He said he drove a swarm of bees across the plains in dead winter. Bill, facing front, tries to keep a straight face, but finally burst out laughing. 
Well, how do you know that's a lie? Of course it's a lie. Can you prove it? Oh, I know the thing's impossible. How? Have you ever tried it? That's all nonsense. That's precisely what it is, Mr. Hammond. Nonsense. And that's just what Mr. Jones meant it to be. Pause. What else did he say? What's the difference? You say it's all nonsense. Not all, Mr. Hammond. He said at least one thing that wasn't nonsense. He said to his wife, Mother, these two men are trying to rob you. Do you remember that? You were all there. Do you remember his saying you and Mr. Thomas were trying to rob Mrs. Jones? Points to each. Hammond rises. Sheriff rises. I don't propose to sit here and be insulted by a criminal like you. This is insufferable, Your Honor, that a gentleman coming here to give disinterested testimony as a favor. I think the defense has brought out quite clearly that this witness's testimony is not disinterested. This divorce has got to be obtained to give him a good deed to the Joneses' property, hasn't it? Mr. Hammond didn't testify on that account. Perhaps not, but I wouldn't call him exactly disinterested. Nevertheless, Your Honor, I protest against this man's insulting manner. How it is possible for such a person... A person who even now should be serving a jail sentence to be admitted to the bar I can't conceive. Turns away, sits, slams books. Lem, to John. You are an attorney in good standing, are you not? Thomas turns back quickly. John goes down stage, pauses. No, Your Honor. What? Do you mean to tell me you've never been admitted to the bar? John crosses to Lem. No, I haven't, Your Honor, but this defendant has just taken a long journey to help me. He came today from the soldier's home of his own accord, and at his own expense, to testify in my case. And when, without warning, this action against him for divorce was called, I knew it was conspiracy, that these two conspirators... Crosses to left of stand, comes center. Hammond rises. Thomas, jumping up. Your Hannah! Sheriff raps. Sit down, Mr. Thomas. Thomas sits. I'll attend to this. You are making a very serious charge, Mr. Marvin. And if you believe that you can substantiate it, you will have due recourse to the courts. In the meantime, you must be aware that you had no right whatsoever to undertake the trial of this case under the guise of being an attorney. You are guilty of a reprehensible act. To Emily the stenographer will strike from the record all the evidence in this case that has been brought out by your cross-examination. Hammond sits. Mr. Thomas, have you finished with your witness? Thomas rises. 
If the cross-examination is to be thrown out, I will not take up the court's time by redirect testimony. John, as Hammond starts from seat. One moment, if it please your honor, before the witness is excused. You have no standing in this court. If you wish to remain, you will take a seat on the visitor's bench. John turns slowly, thinking hard. This way. As John reaches gate, Sheriff opens it. John, rushing quickly left and in front of table, puts arm around Bill. But, Your Honor, the defendant has a legal right to plead his own case. Yes, he has. John, helping Bill to his feet. Then, if it please, Your Honor, he will take up the examination. Lem, to Bill. You have the right to do that, if you care to. John, crosses to center, going up toward Judge. He does, Your Honor. Sheriff, to John. You come out here. I'm a witness for the defense, Your Honor. Lem, pointing to witness chair, down left. Then sit there. Sheriff sits after applause. John goes to front row, down stage. Bill looks confused. Lem, to Bill. Examine your witness. What's the matter with him? During the laugh, John sneaks to chair left of table. The things John asked him was all right. To Hammond. Answer them. You mean the testimony he has already given? John sneaks in chair in front of table. I got a right to ask him over again, ain't I? John moves to end of table. Yes. John steals up and takes Bill's seat. Do I have to go all over that, Your Honor? Would your replies be the same? Hammond, after a moment's hesitation. Certainly. Lem, to Emily. Reinstate the cross-examination. Questions put by the defendant. Bill smiles at John. Hammond, about to get up. Is that all? Bill looks at John, who shakes his head violently. Bill, repeating gesture. No, no, hold on. I got some more for you. John whispers to him. Yeah, I was going to. Going to Hammond with legal pose. Ah, uh, Mr. Hammond, uh, you, uh, wait a moment. Goes back to John, where John can whisper questions to him. When you went after Mr. Marvin with a sheriff, what was the charge against him? Trespassing on the property of the Pacific Railroad Company. Uh-huh. Crosses back to John. If he was on their property. To John. What's that? Has to bend down to John to get rest of sentence. What did you have to do with it? I went at the request of the president of the road. You sold the railroad, the land he was trespassing on, didn't you? Thomas, jumping up. I object to that question. Mr. Thomas, you and your witness have been accused of conspiracy. If I were you, I'd allow the witness to answer that question. 
Bill back to John. Your Honor, I don't propose to defend the witness and myself from such a ridiculous charge at this time. We are not on trial. This is a divorce action. Objection overruled. If there is any conspiracy about this action, the court wants to know it. Answer the question. I purchased the property for the railroad acting as their agent. Who did you buy it from? Who did you buy it from? Mr. Thomas. When did you buy it? When did you buy it? About ten months ago. Bill, by himself. That's three months before you bought Mother's place. Yes. Bill, going up to him by himself. Then why did you swear you'd never met him till you saw him at the hotel? Because I never did. You bought all that land of him and never saw him about it? To Lem crossing to him. And he called me a liar. As Hammond moves. Don't go away. We got some more for you. To John. Ain't we? I got one for him. You know the railroad company leased the waterfall on Mother's Place and put up a power plant there? I believe they have. And you know that the railroad pays you more for that lease in a month than you agreed to give Mother in a year? I don't know anything about that. The railroad leases with the Golden Gate Land Company. Who controls the Golden Gate Land Company? I don't know. Don't you know? It's controlled by you and Mr. Thomas. Your Honor, I object. And that all your stocks in the name of rummies. John stops him. Dummies. Dummies. Uh, dummies. Dummies. Thomas rises. I protest against this. Hammond rises. Sit down, Mr. Thomas. You're beginning to make me believe in this fraud story. Then let him go on talking. Judge Townsend, I refuse to submit to this any longer, to stand here and be made to look like a criminal. Well, you look natural. Do you expect me to stand for this? You can sit down if you want to. I'm all through with you. Goes to John. Thomas crosses left of stand. All this absurd testimony has no possible connection with the case in part, but I propose to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that the insinuations against the integrity of the witness and myself are not only groundless but positively malicious, and I shall do this at the first opportunity. Sits. John. To Lem. Your Honor, Mr. Thomas will have that opportunity at two o'clock this afternoon when the Pacific Railroad's action against me comes before this court. At that time, I will submit positive documentary proof that these men control the Golden Gate Company, and that company has been buying up all the property wanted by the Pacific Railroad. I will submit to the court twenty cases where the Golden Gate Company has swindled innocent victims out of property and paid them for it with worthless stock. I will prove to the court. Just a moment, Mr. Marvin. 
it will be most interesting for you to prove your statements at two o'clock i must remind you again however that you are not a party to this divorce action and have no standing in this court yes your honor if the defendant wishes you for a witness you may be sworn i don't want no witnesses for the divorce bill crosses to center john goes up to rail right of sheriff i didn't know anything about it till i got here but i've been thinking it over ever since and i've made up my mind mother's right if mother can prove them things he read she can get a divorce can't she yes well i can prove them for her you can prove them oh yes i used to be a judge now first it said i got drunk well i can prove that and it uh, then it said i was cruel to mother well i can uh, no i can't prove that one because it ain't true judge and i don't believe mother ever said it but then it said i failed to provide that's the one that's on my mind i have failed judge i never thought anything about it before but i don't see no chance to provide now that i do think of it mother and milly can get along better without me so you can see mother ought to have a divorce judge and i'm all right i can go back to the home and stay there until uh, until um that's all judge turns left he goes towards seat mrs jones going before judge's desk no judge please don't give me a divorce if you can help it please judge i don't want it i didn't know what i was doing they said it was the only way i could take care of bill and myself in our old age but they was just telling me lies goes to bill turns bill i've done you wrong and i can't blame you if you never look at me again but i didn't mean to bill i didn't mean to and if you'll forgive me and take me back i'll try all my life to make up for it will you will you bill she holds out her arms to him bill turns to mrs jones did you ever get six dollars i sent you mrs jones crosses toward john milly crosses to bill this complaint is dismissed call the next case preston versus preston mrs preston crosses to stand john comes to bill down center Perkins crosses to judge and hands up paper. Second curtain. Clerk. To Mrs. Preston. Raise your right hand. She does so. You solemnly swear the evidence you give shall be the truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Curtain. End of Act Two, Part Two.